I want to share a very familiar text with you this morning. Often used in sermons at Christmas time as it relates to the Christmas story. When Caesar Augustus sent out a decree that the whole world should be taxed, well, we know that Mary and Joseph, or Joseph and Mary, had to go to Joseph's hometown so that they would be counted in this census and they would be taxed. Yet we generally just barely strike the surface of this text. There's so much more meaning. As I shared a week or so ago, I said that God had laid a message on my heart probably a month ago, and this was, it was it. I was reading the, the account of the Christmas story, and, and these two words, they just stuck out. And I couldn't get rid of them. I tried. And if you're with me now in Luke chapter 2, if you'll scroll down to verse 7. Verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, for these next several minutes that we have together. Lord, let your word speak fluently to our hearts. Lord, that we would understand the changes we need to make in our own lives. That you would challenge us, Lord Jesus, to live closer to your word. In Jesus' name. So we see here that they're now moved to, De uh, to Joseph's hometown. And here she brought forth her firstborn son had wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, swaddling clothes were strips of cloth used to keep a baby warm and to give him a sense of security. You see, back then they believed that uh, these pieces of garment would be wrapped around the baby to protect the internal organs. And that was the purpose. The custom of swaddling infants is still practiced today in the Mideastern countries. The meditation, when we begin to think of a manger and its basic traditional belief that Jesus was born in a stable. Stables were often caves for feeding cattle. They, it wasn't like a barn setting like we see on some of our Christmas cards. It's so nice and quaint and looks so nice. And then you think, well, that doesn't look so bad. Well, I mean, uh, 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 then it wasn't like that. They were caves that were hollowed out in the side of rocks and, and cattle were taken in there to be out of the elements. And it was often very dirty and very smelly. Not a nice place. How many of you would like to have your child born there today? Some of you would say, what, are you out of your mind? How about your grandchildren? Let your grandchildren be born in a cave like that. You see, a manger back then was just a simple trough. 
we get the picture of a trough that is carved out and has hay in it and the baby's laying in it. It looks so nice and neat. But actually, a trough then was actually caved into the stone. And it came out of kind of like down. And it wasn't a soft little wooden box like we picture on our Christmas cards. And they put hay in there, fresh hay. And, and this is where Jesus was born. Now, this was not the atmosphere that the Jews expected, the birthplace of the Messiah, the king to be born. They were, they were, they're looking for him to be born in this royal surrounding. Kind of like your royal surroundings when you were born in a hospital, you know, or someplace like that, or your grandchildren, you know, you can't, ha you can't find the finest of hospitals to have your grandchildren born in. You want that place squeaky clean. You want the doctors and the nurses to be scrubbed down six times before they even come near the child. You know, that's kind of how we are, parents and grandparents. You know, we want the best for our children. But imagine traveling across a rocky country road on a donkey, nine months pregnant, and you got to deliver a child. You get into town and you're like, it going into labor. Now, I remember when Virginia went into labor with Chelsea. I was in a panic mode. I could only imagine how Joseph was with his wife on the back of a donkey. And she says, it's time. They haven't checked in anywhere. They haven't even had a chance to find a motel room or an inn, a place for them to stay. Because remember, there was a tax, a census going on. There were more people there than had ever been there. Because you got to remember, when they, when they left that countryside, when they left their hometown area, they didn't go back. So towns didn't mushroom like today, you know. We got the housing boom and we got, you go to Miami, you see these 40 and 50 story condos going up like crazy. Go down West Palm Beach and you see condos going up like crazy. Wasn't anything like that, see? They didn't, they, they spread out. Although our first picture of Jesus as a baby in the manger, it must not be our last. The Christ child in the manger is a, is a beautiful Christmas scene. But we can't leave it there because, see, Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew to be a man. He died for us, ascended into heaven, and he, he will soon return to our earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Christ will rule the world. But listen carefully, church. He's going to judge. He's going to judge our lives according to our decisions that we did. You see, When I began to think of this message and I began to think of what Christ was laying on my heart and 
what came out of me in that passage of scripture is no room. No room. There was no room for Jesus in the business of Bethlehem. The great crowds that were there paying their taxes, having a good time, visiting with family that they hadn't seen probably in a century or so. People they haven't seen in a long time, they're, they're now back in their kind of, uh, what we do now, what do we call them now? Uh, high school reunions. You ever been to one of those? You know, I, I, haven't, I didn't go to mine, but I was thinking about it the other day, and it scared me. I was thinking I'd been out of high school almost 40 years. I don't know that I would want to go back and see my fellow classmates. I'm afraid what some of them might look like. I'm afraid they'll see what I look like. Not slim and trim anymore. I'm rump and flump. But we see here the picture of a scene, a place that was just too busy for a savior. It was not the most saintly place during that time of celebration as people were getting together in the inns and different places and carousing. But there was greater business to be done. See, church, we need the world to know that salvation is the most important thing in our lives. It's more important than sales. People need to know that eternity is more important than earnings. You see, people have been turning things around. We've been twisting things and we're getting it backwards. People are, people are thinking, well, I've, I've got to earn a living. If I don't earn a living, I'm going to be living in the streets. And people are starting to put earnings and profits and all these things before eternity, before Jesus. You see, peace with God is more important than profit. You see, the master is more important than money. But we can't get the world to seem to understand these things. It's not more important. Jesus is more important than all of these things that we begin to lay before us. But yet, we get together at Christmas. We get together with friends and family. And one of the things that's left out of our getting together most of the time is Jesus. We've all been told. Some of us have even been taught in some of our homes. There's, when the family comes together, we're going to have a great time. There's two things we don't want to talk about. Right? Politics? Religion. Well, I'm glad in my home we don't have religion. We just have Jesus. Hallelujah. So when you come to my house, I can talk about Jesus because we just celebrate Jesus. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to know about the world that we live in today. We don't serve religion. We don't have religion. We have Jesus. And Jesus has to be the person who makes room in our lives and in our homes. And we have to make room for him for there. There was no room for Jesus in the homes of Bethlehem. The inn was also the innkeeper's home. He didn't just close up shop and go down that street a couple blocks to his house and get away from work. It didn't work like that then. He lived where he worked. People who had little 
food things where they cook bread and stuff, bakeries and stuff. They lived there. Not like today. Today, you don't live where you work. Karen can say, thank you, Jesus. She works for the county. She doesn't want to live there. <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would never let her go home. Matter of fact, they wouldn't let her go home now if she, if, if she didn't put some demands on them, probably. They'd probably put her a little bed or a little cot over in the corner, and she'd say, okay, take you a 10-minute sleep and then come back because we've got a lot of stuff to get done. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't get away from it. You see, the crowds left Jesus out. When the crowds came to Bethlehem, were they looking for a Savior? Were they, were they knowing that Jesus was coming there to be born? No. The angels had to announce to the shepherds what? What was going on in Bethlehem? Had to let them know that as they sang and they proclaimed the glory of the Lord. They, they were telling the shepherds, look, this great thing is happening. When they went there, don't, wouldn't the people have noticed? Shouldn't they have noticed? Like, what are the shepherds doing in town? Who's watching the sheep? Who's watching over the flocks? I would have wanted to go see what the shepherds were up to. See, I'm that kind of guy. I'm nosy like that. Come on, some of you are that way too. Don't just look at me and just smile. Some of you would want to know the same thing. That's just how it is. And you see, they weren't making room. They weren't, they weren't wondering about the goings-on. What a busy place our homes have become today. When I begin to think about all the goings on and all the distractions and all the things that take us away from the word of God. It makes me begin to wonder how much room do I have for Jesus? How much room am I making for him? Am I truly displaying all that I can to represent my Lord Jesus to the world? You know, I said last week, maybe it was a week before, I'm not sure. We make time for television, our computers, our newspaper, our magazines, but not Jesus. What our, what our, I just can't help but think, what our Savior must think about our so-called Christian homes. Is Jesus represented in your home? Some people say, well, Pastor, you're just, you're just going a little too deep here. You know, we're not, we're not that holy, holy kind of type people. But you know what? Jesus needs to be represented in our homes. Because if he's not represented there, I can guarantee you, you're not representing him out there. You see, it's not like you keep Jesus in a little box until you need him. And then when you need him, you take the box out. It's like some people say, well, I, I take my Bible off the shelf when I'm going to church on Sunday. But as soon as I get home from church, my Bible goes back on the shelf so I know where it is, so I know to get it the next time. You know what that tells me? You're not doing anything with it during the week. You see, 
To make room for Jesus means to have a devotional life, to have a, a daily fixation on him. It's kind of like some of us. If you didn't eat food for a couple days, your stomachs would start growling. You would start getting mean towards your family because you're hungry and you get irritated when you're hungry. Anybody ever get irritated when they're hungry? Me and Randy. Thank you, Jesus. Two guys in the room. My wife knows when I'm hungry. She can tell you. Uh, somebody feed them something. Time for our community activities. We, we make all these times for these activities that are going on in our communities, but we don't for Jesus. We make time for entertainment. Go see movies, go bowling, and go, go, go doing things with our friends, boating or to the beach, but we don't make time for Jesus. No wonder our world is in trouble. Because the Christians aren't making time for Jesus. And if we're not making time for Jesus, how do we expect the world to know who Jesus is? See, we say that Jesus lives in us. He resides in us, and that's true fact. But if we're not living according to his word, then how can people see Jesus in us? There was no room for Jesus in the social life of Bethlehem. You see, the world was not a friend of God. And believe it or not, today the world is not a friend of God. I was listening to a show the other night. A preacher was preaching. And he said something very profound. He didn't have a, it wasn't a mega church. It was a smaller church. I think the guy was in Minnesota or somewhere. Older gentleman. And he said this and it struck me. And it's so true. Church, be prepared to become the minority. We are becoming the minority. Christianity is not like it used to be 50 years ago when people just loved Jesus and businesses were closed on Sunday. Kids didn't go to the ball field on Sunday. Families got together, they went to church, they went home and they had Sunday dinner and then they went back to church on Sunday night. And it was a day of worshiping the Lord. You know what? It's not like that today. It's not like that today. We don't, we don't do things like we used to do. I always, I always get so aggravated when they say, well, you got to catch up. The world's changing. You got to change with it. No. That, that's not how it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to change with the world. I'm just supposed to change with Jesus. You see, Jesus is supposed to become stronger and more real, more prevalent person in my life. And so when I'm out in the public, people will know that there's something different about me. They'll know that there's something. What is so different about him? He's not like the rest of the world. People should be looking at you and saying, wow, why do they stand out? Why? They seem so friendly. They seem so nice. And they're, they're so kind. And, and they have this gentle spirit about them. What's different about them? Uh, you can tell them, Jesus is what's different about me. 
You don't have to go out there and say I'm a Christian, but your actions will show that you are. Your speech will show that you are. Your walk will show that you are. You see, church, the world has come to a place. We have come to a crossroads because there's no room. There's no room. I'd love for this church to be full. And I'd be glad to say there's no more room for more people to come in. We'll have to have another service to accommodate those who come later. You see, but what the problem is, we're getting more room. Why? Because people aren't worshiping the Lord like they used to. People are making time for Him like they used to. You know, God bless the internet, okay? I, I will say I'm thankful that the word of God is getting out that way. But the thing that bothers me, church, and those of you who are watching, so you're just going to have to hear it like it is. I'm just one of those kind of people when it just flows like this. My wife will get it on to me later. But let me just say this. Forsake not the fellowship of gathering together, as some of you are in the habit of doing. That's what the scripture says. This is why we must continually gather together. What, it's not just for the fellowship, but it's for the gratification of what the Lord can give you when you're around other believers. As you pray together, as you fellowship together, you're encouraging one another. If you're sitting at home, how can you encourage yourself? Well, you have the word of God that encourages you. But if you stay at home all the time and you're afraid to go out because you're liable to contract something, some kind of disease or something, then your faith is shallow. Isn't it our faith that keeps us whole? You see, I'm not saying be ignorant about the things that are going on in the world. We have to be smart. We have to take precautions. It's only necessary. But we still come to church. We still come together and, and fellowship together. Listen, the world is not going to get any better. It's going to continue to get worse. I know that's not the kind of news that you want to preach on Christmas, but that's the facts. We're continually becoming more and more every day the minority in this in this. United States that we live in. It grieved my heart the other day to hear the, the, the number of hundreds upon hundreds of churches that are now closing up again because they're afraid of the COVID. Yes, mega churches are closing their doors again. Why do we let the enemy take foothold like this? Why do we give foothold to the enemy? I don't understand. You see, we need to prepare also to have the only things that count live in us. And the only thing that counts is Jesus Christ. 
You see, church, because one day we're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we're going to have to give an account. And I think about this, no room. No room. How perfect this text is in the lives of people today because they're not making room. Church, we have to make room. And we have to share with our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And if you got great-great-greats, that's fine too. You need to start sharing Jesus with them and how important it is to live for him. To make room for him. You see, there's no place in the, in the lives of people who love the Lord. There's no place for you to have no room. That, that shouldn't even be a part of your text or your context of your life. Jesus should always have room. He should have the most room. But church, we have to make room in our homes first. We have to make room in our homes first. I'm not talking about your physical home where you live. I'm talking about the home that's right here, your heart. You see, we have to make room here. Because church, when you make room here and you put Jesus here, People are going to find that you have room for him everywhere. Everywhere you go, you take Jesus with you. And so therefore, you can display the love of Christ in your life through how you live, how you walk, how you speak, the things you do. Everything that, that represents Jesus Christ should be represented in you as you go into the world. We have to just start dispelling the mist that Jesus is no longer alive. That it's some mythical story that happened some 2,000 years ago. Jesus is alive and well. And he resides in every person who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Church, we must start telling the world that they need to make room before it's too late, and there will be no room. So this morning, as I close with this, how many of us need to reevaluate our lives and make room, adequate room, for the Lord Jesus Christ? Church, that's what we got to do. We can't grow in here unless we grow in here. Because, see, people see this through the things that you do. And when they see what you're doing right because of what's right here, this place will be full. Because they're going to want what you have. They're going to want that peace that passes all understanding. They're, wanting, they're going to want to have those, those moments in their lives where they can dispel fear because 
They can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and he will hear their prayers and he will answer their prayers and he will encourage them and he will move in them. And church, that's what Jesus wants to do in us. He wants to move in us. But we take that little sacred vow. No politics. No talk about Jesus when family comes together. Church, it needs to happen. You see, because it's the politics that's gotten rid of Jesus. What's the problem there? We got to change that. And the only way that can change is to make room right here. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I thank you, God, this morning that, that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can share the message, Lord, with the world. Lord, we need to let them know there is room. There is room for Jesus. Despite what the world may be telling them. And Lord, I pray this morning. Have your way with us. Change our hearts first. And because of what you do in our hearts, we'll be able to change the world. We'll be able to change the thinking. We'll be able to allow them to see the love of Jesus Christ. The baby who came in a manger and died as a man, ascended into heaven. The only one who could forgive us of our sins. And I thank you this morning that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm thankful this morning, Jesus, that I have room for you. And this body of believers this morning has made room for you. Father, those that may be watching, I pray, God, this morning, let them make room for you. Let them come to you in faith. And Lord, may you answer each one of their prayers. May you encourage them. May you fill them with the Holy Ghost. And they would live for you forever. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor this morning for these things that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.